Another edition of the Behind the You podcast. The Behind the You podcast is brought to you by UFIT Gyms. Train together, win together. Introducing UFIT Gyms as the official fitness center for the Miami Hurricanes. Ready to join them. All it takes is a dollar. Let's go Canes. Joining us, a man I just saw last week, Bruce Feldman of The Athletic and Fox. Bruce, how are you? Thanks for doing this. Oh, I'm doing good. It was good seeing you, Josh. I always uh, always like to get out to the UM. It's been a while to see them practice, but first day in pads, I think it was. So it was good to see what they're shaping up as. Absolutely. So uh, you're a man who uh, knows Mario well, being out on the West Coast and over the years that he's been in college football and your work is always worth a read at The Athletic. In fact, I was just going back reading some of the stuff, getting ready for this and I encourage everyone. I'll encourage everyone to get the subscription and and make sure they're dialed into you guys uh, during the college football system. Legitimately, you guys do awesome work. I just wanted to give people. I mean, they have a taste of Mario because of his interactions with the media. But from someone, you know, maybe behind the curtain, behind the scenes, someone who's talked with him on the record, off the record, at other programs, followed his path, figure shed some light on on what Miami has and and where this thing is going. And Bruce, I'll, take take me back to the very beginning. When the rumor started swirling that Mario would be a candidate for this job here locally, it's a no, you know, no brainer, sign him up, whatever it takes. But in one of the articles you wrote that you thought that people in the Pac-12 or out West couldn't fathom him leaving. So what was that push pull like, especially from the other side? Well, I think they saw Phil Knight's money, Oregon's resources and facilities, (laughs) and they saw what he built at in a relatively short time, how he had recruited and, just from knowing Mario pretty well, I knew that he felt like his 2022 and 2023 Oregon teams were legit playoff contenders. And I think, so there was certainly something about wanting to see that come to fruition. He felt like, uh, I knew this from having done a lot of his games and been around his family, that he felt like they had made really good commitment to him. And especially with how he got the job after Willie Taggart left, a lot of the players went to bat for him. So I think there was a genuine sense of connection to the place. But what I took, and just knowing Mario for as long as I have, Miami is a different job for him. It's not any other job. And so when other people looked at it, maybe in their own, you know, to their own logic, they were like, you know, Miami, it's been a long time since they've been really good. Uh, there's been a, it's, it, they don't necessarily over you know pay as well as other places. So I think people look at it and go, he's not going to go there. Is it a lateral move? I mean, knowing Mario and how he feels about South Florida, how he feels about Miami, I just felt like Miami was going to show him that they were seriously committed to giving him what he feels like he needs to make a legit run at a national title program. He was going to be hard for him to say no, and obviously it was. So what makes Mario tick? You know, you said he had built a team at Oregon, a program over over three years and three recruiting classes that he thought could contend for a national title. What makes him tick relative to what he did at Oregon? And how does that translate to Miami? I think so much of him is an ultra competitive guy. Remember who, you know, was part of, you know, early on days of being around Green Tree every day and seeing what it takes to, to be elite. And Mario, unlike a lot of his peers who were head coaches, Mario doesn't golf as a <laughs> hobby. He looks at recruiting as a hobby. And it's not more than a hobby. It's, it's you know, it's the thing he wants to do when he's not on the field coaching. I think that's the guy you're talking about, the guy who's going to be all over the details, like kind of manic about the details and practice and, and, and fundamentals and physicality and toughness and the work. A couple, uh, Probably a month or two ago, myself and my colleague at The Athletic, Manny Navarro, did a, 
pretty long story about like Mario at the six month point. And I thought the things Mario hit home about in that story were about, you know, everyone wants to talk about how the, how the U is back. And he was like, no, the U is back. And then he kind of pauses and said, back to work. And I think he knows you can't get it twisted. You can't get it out of place because that's happened before. And I don't think it's anyone particular fault. People, and this could be people who are around Miami, this could be people who are, who are part of Miami, where I think they, for, they miss a step and they just think that, like, it's the style more than the substance, just because there's been a lot of style that went with the substance. Mario gets that as well as anybody. I think it's going to be really interesting. It's going to be a wild ride as he builds this thing, but I have no doubt he's building, and it's going to get better. It's going to take some time, though. The recruiting passion, the recruiting intensity, the commitment he personally makes to recruiting. How maniacal is he about it? Oh, he it's pretty much unmatched as a head coach. You know, I was around you know, one of his old colleagues, Ed O'Tron, who's been around this program now, some again with his son, you know, as a part of Mario's staff. But Ed was obsessed with recruiting. He's obsessed with, with evaluation and the chase of getting the recruits. And Mario is wired to that. They're both line guys in the trench who believe in physicality and toughness, and they believe in their evaluation. I mean, they're not the same guy, but they're, they're wired fairly similarly. And those guys are different than a lot of other head coaches. And I think, you know, they approach things differently in terms of like Mario, you know, when he looks for his staff and makes his hires and goes through his evaluation on that side of it, he is incredibly meticulous. I just think what you've got here is somebody who's just just a very different animal than most guys who are sitting in the big chair in college football. When you think of great football and baseball, you think about the you. When you get hurt in a car, truck, or motorcycle wreck, you need to think Lebovic Law Group. At Lebovic Law Group, you come first. We work to get you all the money you are entitled to. Injured? You need to call or click Lebovic. Lebovic Law Group, the exclusive sponsor of the Miami Hurricanes and proud sponsor of all things you go you so you talked about his hiring process you wrote about his hiring process in that article you did that deep dive sort of mario at the six uh, month mark i think he came i think he went on with josh pate like right after he was hired and he kind of jokingly talked about what his interview process was like and he pretty much said you know by lunchtime someone had worked up a, a pretty good sweat and they were like maybe 25 percent through the process what is his process like and what do you make of the staff that he finally put together i think his process is is exhaustive and it can be exhausting and i think it can be challenging for the people who are candidates to be honest i think that goes into so much of it because i think mario will see certain things with people but i think he'll also look at it and go you know what we can there's, there's a lot that goes into it. And I think he doesn't believe there's like one size fits all, right? And the, the, what he ended up with, I think was an elite staff. I mean, I think in a lot of times, his offensive coordinator hired to me was better than I think he almost could have hoped it was going to be because the timing was right on Josh Gaddis. Josh Gaddis, who just was named the nation's top assistant coach when he was at Michigan as the OC, he became really available and was very intrigued by the job. I think that you look at Charlie Strong to get him, that was a huge hire. A guy, Jamal guy is a huge guy. You have Kevin Steele with his experience. I think that's big. You know, there's just a lot of really good fits he had, he put together. Never mind, like, for the nth degree by getting Jason Taylor in the role he's in, by getting Alonzo Highsmith <laughs> in the role he's in. 
you know, he has his strength coach who came with him from Oregon where, like, I do a freaks list every year. We're four guys from Mario's old program there. Oregon, you know, three of them were his recruits. The fourth one is actually a transfer in later. But, like, Mario did a great job in the evaluation of those guys and landing them. And Phil did a really good job in developing them. And so I, I think it's, it's the best staff Miami's had since I don't even know when, you know. I mean, you could maybe want to butch staff, maybe even before that, to be honest. I mean, I don't think there's been anything close to the, the collection of talent that he has gotten from different parts of the country. I mean, it's just a lot of really good pieces. You know, I, I think there's probably – five guys who either were coordinators could be coordinators or, you know, like I just think of a guy as a fantastic assistant coach with a big future who, you know, remember when he was a co-DC at West Virginia was, did an amazing job there. And he went to Georgia and, and from Miami to get him, get him with Charlie strong, get him. And, you know, like just a lot of really like that to me was, you know, the recruiting has been great and I think it'll continue to be great. And I'm not that surprised. But I just think that for people who are frustrated with Mario's process, how long it took, you know, he came back with a lot of home runs. By the way, in case you're wondering, Bruce is currently scouting uh, the class of 2032. Uh, just he's getting an advance on his freaks list for 10 years from now. The background noise there. Yes, I apologize for this. My son's soccer practice. No, you're fine. You're fine. You're fine. In, in regards to the staff a little bit more. Obviously, there's some branches off of Nick Saban. So one would be Kevin Steele. You wrote about this in the story, but maybe you could just elaborate about what people said or what Nick Saban said about how Kevin Steele leads a defense that would give a, shed a little more light onto the new D.C. for Mario Cristobal. Yeah, I mean, when this guy got the Nick Saban blessing. And just from being around Mario, even recently, you know, like when I saw him, I guess it was like 10 days ago when I ran into you that, that day. You know, some of the intel he got from Nick Saban, who, as you mentioned, you know, Mario worked under him and it seemed like they have a pretty solid relationship. And I think you can't get a better recommendation or a better reference point than what Nick Saban, because he's had a lot of guys come through there and touch what said, right? And even, you know, Gaddis was another one who came from that staff. I think that is invaluable because we know one thing those two guys have in common they're ultimate grinders. Kevin Steele will have, I think, will have no problem working the way Mario Cristobal needs him to work and requires him to work. When Mario was going to put his staff together, not only a fit, whether it was recruiting, personality, character, et cetera, but a fit to the schemes he wanted to bring to the University of Miami, that he felt certain schemes would work and certain schemes just would not be a good fit. You told a story about when he was at Alabama with Nick Saban, and it was back in 2015, and Ohio State pretty much decimated the Bama defense, that they went to go meet with Tom Herman and kind of get a, a quick workshop seminar on the offense they were running and how it maybe shaped his vision and why Josh Gaddis was appealing. So could you elaborate on that and shed, you know, share some of what you were told that made the story and just some of how that story shaped what Mario believes offensively? Yeah, a lot of it has to do with, you know, when Mario was there, it was, you know, hey, we're going to win with defense more or less. And then they got shredded by a really talented Ohio State team. And Saban, you know, wanted his staff to go spend time with Tom Herman. I think they were looking at opening things up. You know, that, that actually came not far on the heels of Lane Kiffin and the one word. It, it, like, kind of morphed. I did a big story on this 
earlier in the year about how that Saban system really, you know, there was Blake Sims, who I think a lot of people, you know, down there remember his name, he took over the quarterback job and they simplified things because he bounced around different positions and went to their like kind of fastball offense. Brian Dayball ended up becoming eventually the offense coordinator and morphed even further. And that, a lot of that stuff was stuff that really worked for Saban and for being a guy who, you know, I don't know if Kirby, Kirby Smart, another Saban guy, would be as, you know, comfortable going to some of these things. But, but Saban embraced it, saw what it could do. And Mario, if you look at even some of the coordinators he had, I mean, I thought he had two of the best coordinators in, in the country last year and Tim DeRuiter on defense. And then you, you look at Joe Moorhead in the masterful job he did as a play caller, an X and O's guy. When they beat Ohio State, by the way, without Avon Thibodeau in the shoe, and I thought that was really impressive. And again, I think some of that is like when your head coach knows, hey, I'm going to hire good coaches, and but I have a plan of what I think is going to work. So some of that stuff, what he thought is going to work in Miami, I don't think he's looking at maybe what the old tradition, you know, what people used to know as the old three three five, like Conference USA defense. You know, I don't think he wanted, you know, it may work for some places. He didn't feel like it was the best thing for the personnel he wanted to bring to Miami. And some of the stuff he wanted, you know, Gaddis, you know, to do, I think he saw some some parallels. And I think he felt like when they met that weekend, when Josh flew down like a day after, like there was some got snowed in in Michigan, I think they just really connected and had a shared vision. And now let's see how this thing rolls, but we got to get the players to, to really make it, make it sing. Absolutely. So speaking of players uh, that goes back to some of the, you know, the recruiting we talked about, it also goes back to this sort of commitment in general in the big picture that the university of Miami is now making in football, in athletics uh, to the level that is required to compete. You shared that when Mario was at Oregon, that he asked a lot of the administration. Uh, So what are some of the things they did for him and then knowing that, what are some? What do you think's coming for Miami and Dan Radakovich? What what are what would you say would be the things that need to happen to marry the total 360 degrees of running a football program? You staff, recruiting, resources, facilities, etc. Well, what's different about Eugene Oregon compared to you know Miami is you you know Eugene Oregon is much more remote. You got to fly a lot of players in there. It's not as easy of a place to get to. It's two-hour drive from Portland, right? So I think one of the big things Mario emphasized to them and, and we got was able to get the buy-in was, hey, we're going to, you know, there's going to be private planes. There's going to be a lot of a lot of attention to detail on how we're going to travel and how we're going to get players. And I think that, you know, in Miami's case, you know, Oregon had state-of-the-art facilities that were there, you know, in coming off the heels of Chip Kelly's run. Whereas Miami, as you well know, for so long, and I can go back to, you know, a lot of your listeners will probably remember this time, like when Miami was rolling, I remember they had a pro day that coincided with a junior day. So it's like, you know, at that point, I think they may have had, five, it was maybe one of the years where they had six first-round picks, but it was like, hey, we're going to have all these recruits come see all the NFL scouts around here watching our freak show of talent. And I think, you know, there was a big piece of that. And, but another part of it was, I remember Mario, this is back when he was a staffer there at Miami talking about like, you know, we don't want, 
we, we're not necessarily going to chase kids who are going to be so wooed by by fancy facilities. It was like they took a badge of honor, and our stuff is just kind of it's almost like a Spartan setup. <laughs> and a lot has changed about facilities and about what recruits value and how important it is. And everybody else was doing it, and Miami got left behind. You know, and this isn't just the case of like, you know, Mark Rick seeing pro days get washed away because there was no indoor, no resources. And you spend all your life to this moment and you're running in muck and mud and whatever. And I mean, like, you know, obviously a credit to, to Rick to rally and get, you know, some Miami money people to step up on that front. But it had to go a lot further. And I think Mario, Mario knew that as well. as So part of the part of the mindset at, at Oregon, and I'm sure it's it's well, I'm sure we all know that's what it's going to be here at Miami is that it's not just winning. Yes, winning your conference is a part of of the mission. But at the end of the day, this is not about winning the ACC or in his case, you know, winning for the back 12. It was about we got to compete with Nick Saban. We got to compete with Kirby Smart. We got to compete with Ohio State. We got to compete with Clemson. In the articles you've written, it talked about, you know, doing things at the highest level. So what does the highest level signify relative to that being the mission, right? That you're competing to be one of the four best teams to play in a national championship. Yeah. I, I mean, in short, it means get, get the best, best players you can get <laughs> and you can't compromise on talent. You can't compromise on fundamentals and you can't compromise on work ethic and discipline and i think the latter he knows that he he, they can they can set the culture for that and the expectation for it the former the getting those players you know the first class it it was you know spotted with some some promising players and they've spotted a little bit with some of the portal guys but you can't you're not gonna get where you need to go with with you know coming out of the portal it's got to be way more than that it's got to really be developing the recruits and getting everything the way you need it to be on the front end right i mean you know i think they they can supplement it too deep with the portal but right now i think it's so much more about stocking a roster and then developing players i mean and mario cristobal didn't come to back to miami to, to produce a consistent top 15 team there's no way that's that was his goal i think he knows i know he knows there's a ways away from from being on, being on the cusp or the brink of, you know, I don't want to say Miami's back or Miami is a legit. It's one thing to to, to play in the ACC title game. That's not, you know, they got to go uh, like way above and beyond that to get where he's feeling like, okay, we're in a good place. Change the trajectory of your career or find your new passion. Both are possible at the University of Miami's Division of Continuing and International Education. The division offers over 50 courses with online and hybrid options for on-the-go professionals and busy parents. Visit miami.edu slash DCIE to learn more or call our enrollment advisors at 305-284-4000 to discover which course is right for you. You mentioned it before, like Oregon's not an easy place to get to. Great facilities, the investment from Nike, they made it cool, et cetera, et cetera. But still, that's not Miami. Just from a destination, it's the other. I mean, it's in the you know northern, northwesternmost part of this country. Yet Mario consistently had top classes from multi-state, you know, pull. How did he go about doing it? I mean, 
they were they emphasized recruiting they emphasized evaluation they made kids want to be part of what they were building i think that was a huge thing there to me it was like it mattered more so it wasn't lip service right it was a high energy intense place and competitive kids wanted to be part of it to me that was that was as much as anything and can that be duplicated at miami no doubt i mean i know it can he knows what it looks like on the on the elite talent side i think he knows what it's going to take they're going to take big swings and there's going to be a lot of kids who don't remember when miami was very good because they haven't been very good for a long time. I mean, the year where they blew out Notre Dame and you know, finished in the top 20, that's not what top recruits are going to buy into. They're going to have to buy into Mario and Cristobal saying, hey, this is what we're going to do here. This is what we did here once, you know, like back and before. And it's going to be a lot more than a fancy slogan or anything else like that or or you know hand gestures or or a cool vista or you know a lot it's just gotta be it's gotta be a belief that hey we're we're do, we're gonna be the next big thing and here's how we're gonna do it and you really lay out the vision and lay out the belief and you feel it and if you feel it then you, then it can happen and the other thing too bruce i would imagine last couple of things here would be you you tell us what this is worth right believing in mario so now take that to, to recruiting when the, you are in someone's home and Mario is the representative of the school, right? He's the one that is connecting to the family and he is the one that is presenting the pitch for the University of Miami. How much weight does that carry that it's Mario Cristobal in the home? Oh, it's, it's, it's immense, right? I mean, the best compliment I can give is I ran to Jimmy Johnson at a, at a Fox Sports function not long ago. And we talked about Mario and what he's doing. And Jimmy Johnson really believes, I mean, like to the point where it's like, he believes and it's like, just not a on the record thing. It was like, it was just a conversation about what, what he felt. Somebody like that, who is like the ultimate personnel evaluator. And obviously was an incredibly successful college and pro coach. He knows it. I mean, he, he knows he would be probably about as good a barometer for what it's going to, what, what it needs to be as there is for him to kind of say vouch for it, but, but see it. I mean, I, I, that would be the most, that would be the, the most reassuring thing. What do you think, Bruce, how did working for Nick Saban shape Mario Cristobal? I think it worked on a couple of fronts. One, the Nick Saban recruiting model was, it was exhaustive. And I think you know, he was ultra demanding and he proved that, you know what, this is what you need to be to, to get everything the way you need it to be. And you're not trying to be everybody's buddy or anything like that. And because of that, I think that that showed him what the blueprint was. You know, he took his, you know, some of the evaluation skills and some of the stuff he had learned along the way from his own experiences at UM, even with Greg Schiano at Rutgers and some of those things that I think made him a really good recruiter, made him a great recruiter. But I think the statement model of what it takes to be in that building for years and be an integral part of it, that I think was um, critical for him. 
Make this the day your life changes. The all-new UFIT Gyms has been created to give you exactly what you need to accelerate your fitness results, including state-of-the-art equipment and a new cross-functional turf training area. Enjoy personal training as low as $35 and new small group training classes, including HIT Plus. Take it to the next level with personalized nutrition from Eat Love, along with anywhere, anytime access to UFIT on demand with over 1,000 workouts. Reach your goals faster at the new UFIT Gyms. All right, last two things. You mentioned your freaks list before and how I think Mario said had four four guys on the list. How long does how much work do you put into that thing? It's a couple of months and then the last like really the last like three weeks is is that's all I work on and tons of calls and texts and, and everything like that. I mean, it's it's the biggest thing I work on every year. So I wanted to I want it to be a certain way. I I you know put a lot into it and I'm grateful for the for the support that I've gotten in the, from not just the people who I work with, but really the coaches and scouts and everybody else who wants to help and contributes and, and is a sounding board and is a, is, a, is a good, you know, has a lot of suggestions and good intel that we share information on. What was the brainchild of that? Ooh, you know, it was just an idea I'd had years ago when ESPN was going to have me try to write about college football year round. And I'm glad it's grown to what it's grown. Um, it's it's been a it's been a really cool thing to see take off. I would imagine at this point, you, even though you're asking, you probably also get some involuntary sub, voluntary, I should say, submissions. No doubt. I mean, that's that's a, become a big part. You know, coaches, you know, some players, certainly SID people, they all want to contribute in some way or another. All right, last thing for you, my friend. So you're with The Athletic and with Fox, and it'd be hard to ignore what's going on in college football these days. Media rights, realignment, et cetera, et cetera. What is biggest takeaway of what's happened, and what do you think is next? Where are we going? And good, bad, or indifferent, what, how, how, do you, how do you size it up? I think it's going more and more to, you know, the bigger leagues. I, you know, if you asked me a month plus ago when USC and UCLA, the news came out that they were leaving, to go to the pack, go to from Pac-12 to the Big Ten, I would have said at that point maybe it was 10, 15% chance that some other Pac-12 schools would end up being offered to leave. And then a couple of weeks later, I was like, huh, you know what? Maybe there's some some genuine interest from some of the presidents in the Big Ten. But I don't know where it goes beyond that because I just don't know if the TV money is going to say, hey, this is worthwhile for them to make those moves. Now, I think it's probably closer to a 50%. 51% chance that maybe some of those SEC, some of those Pac-12 schools get offered because maybe there's some money some other places that could could come. And I could see Kevin Warren really like the feeling of adding, adding st- more strength to the numbers he has and, and what he likes about what the Big Ten is building on and where it's headed. And it's like... You know, the money is so big, I think that's really the game changer in all this. And it's really, it's interesting because I don't know if anybody knows exactly where it's going to stop. You know, what happens to a bunch of these ACC schools were tied with the grant of rights issues, you know, Miami certainly being one of them. I could see Miami as a, as a Big Ten school. Academically, it makes some sense. Geographically, it makes some sense. I mean, does it make as much sense for the to go to the SEC? I'm not quite as sure of that, but... You know, those are the two two big, you know, Megatron conferences. And, and, you know, maybe Notre Dame can resist it and stay on its own for a little longer because it likes being independent. I don't know. We'll see. I mean, I don't, I don't think anybody knows exactly what the final 
final uh, tally is going to be on all this. Bruce, I appreciate it. It was good seeing you down in Miami. I always appreciate uh, and read your work. It's really, you do an unbelievable job. Your stories have great depth and insight and information to them. Uh, appreciate what you wrote about the program. Appreciate you doing this, coming on behind the U and get back to soccer practice. We'll talk soon. I appreciate it. Great seeing you, Josh. Thanks for having me. You got it, Bruce. Thank you very much. All right. Take care. Bye. You got it. Bruce Feldman, The Athletic and Fox Sports, joining us here on the Behind the U podcast.